Hello, and welcome to Definitely a Board Game Podcast, a podcast definitely about board games, except when it isn't. My guest today is Hank Rolamon. You may not have heard of Hank, but I guarantee you you've seen his work. Hank is personally responsible for some of the best board game photos on Board Game Geek. He's won several international game photo awards and is the photo editor for two game magazines, as well as being a contributing photographer to over half a dozen others. Hank, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, we had a little bit of trouble setting this up. You're, you're located on the other side of the world from me, so timing was a little That's bit true. fun. Yeah. <laughs> but every we finally got it together. Yeah, we have a big sea between us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so yeah. we always start with the same question. It's a boring question, but it sort of has to start. How did you sort of get involved in board games? What's your board game history? Why is this important to you? Anything you want to say on that topic? Yeah, well, what's my history? Well, uh, actually, I also uh, read a little story on my uh, profile on Board Game Geek. Mm-hmm. So if uh, people are interested, they can read it also. But uh, yeah, what my uh, start in board game is start early. That I found a Monopoly game uh, in the attic from grandfather. Interested in what it, what it, what is it? Uh, how can you play it? And uh, during my childhood, I like to play uh, uh, Risk. And uh, let, later, I found Access uh, uh, and Allies. Mm-hmm. In a, in a game store, I was living on a countryside, so there was not much what they could offer in, in, in board games in, uh, generally. And Holland, uh, also the, the point is uh, you, you try to find the games in Dutch in, in the first place. Right. And but, but, but when it really started, it was in 2006. Mm-hmm. That uh, I, I would like more to know about board games, so I find Board Game Geek. And uh, I needed an uh, avatar, <laughs> so I figured it out how how can I get some giggles to have thirty giggles to 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 get an uh, an avatar? Oh, making photos, hmm, that's interesting. So I just got a. Uh, there was in the time that you have those first uh, digital cameras, and I got uh, a small one for my wife. Well, it was actually uh, my wife's one. <laughs> I started making pictures, and <laughs> and uh, that was growing, and uh, and some publishers asked, "Can we use your photos? Or can you make uh, some shoots for us?" And I even have a camera, only a very small one, not professional, not not fancy or whatever. It was just, it was about hundred fifty dollars camera. I mean, that was it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I borrowed an, uh, an, uh, another camera from a person I know, and, uh, and I started making photos. And later, uh, I bought one for myself, selling some board games and then buying a camera. <laughs> <laughs> and publisher asked, oh, would you like to do that for us also on events? I mean, yeah. So that was also a time that I uh, uh, figured out that what I did for myself, for me, it was easy. But... It was also a time that you discover a kind of talent, <laughs> which, which people like. And right. That was kind of funny experience for myself because I I've, I've learned it as an autodidact. Uh, you know, you learn it just by yourself. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Self-taught. Yeah. Uh, you see things, you uh, make those photos, and uh, that's how it uh, evolved in, in in time. 
you get more projects. Magazines ask for pictures, and yeah, that, that's where it grows to uh, to magazines, to uh, even uh, events. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in uh, 2019, I was asked by the Metzelag uh, Spiel mm-hmm. uh, to to be the, the the main photographer for the fair. Wow! For the yeah. uh, Spiller Prize for the press conference. Those are the pictures for the German newspapers. Should be there in two hours after the exhibition. Uh, yeah, and they were high demanding uh, and needed high quality. And uh, yeah, I was doing what I always did. <laughs> <laughs> and they were very happy with it. Yeah. And you get a nice, that's the way mm. you get a very positive response on it. Yeah. So yeah. then you know you're, you, were, you are on track. What you do, people like that. Excellent. Uh, yeah, yeah. All because you wanted thirty geek gold. That was the whole infamous for the whole thing. That was yeah. really the whole start of. I'm, uh, I, I'm hesitant that. to ask how yeah. much geek gold you have now. I got to imagine it's in the tens of thousands, <laughs> if not more. <laughs> <laughs> so that's great. So that's how you got involved in the in the photography business. Now, is this your primary career now? That board game photography, or no. is this a side project for no. you? No. It's a side project. Oh, yeah. still side project. Even though you've won all these awards, is it possible to make a career yeah. out of this? Do you think? Or um, uh, it, I think it's tough. Yeah. I mean, um, I work with a lot of companies worldwide. Um, pictures are appreciated, but uh, if you want to make a living out of it, then uh, you have to ask uh, different uh, prices. Right. right. In in the way you work. I mean. If you have a, a big board game, you you want to make a serious good photo shoot, that is really uh, taking time. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And uh, you have d- different kinds of uh, type of photography. I mean, if you make uh, make it on white for a Kickstarter, it would it should be sharp, it should be fancy, it should be good looking, it should be uh, commercial. Mm-hmm. That's a different kind of. Uh, if you make a photo with a kind of atmosphere. For right. Instagram, for example, I you know? see. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and and uh, some uh, sometimes you get paid. Sometimes uh, I start with a lot of exchange for for uh, for a game, and they get uh, the pictures. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a way you can uh, both. You know, sure. you have often yeah. uh, small companies, for example, uh, the first time. Uh, uh, Pro Games was on on in Essen. You get a free game, mm-hmm. and now fifteen years. And some companies grow uh, enormously, and now you get seriously paid for them. Excellent for the Excellent. job what yeah. you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you mentioned that at the when prior prior to sort of two thousand six, you had a hard time finding uh, board games in your area in Holland. Holland seems to be a big burgeoning board game country. <clears throat> Sorry, I, there's at least two Dutch game magazines, for instance, and that surprised me. Yeah. Uh, what's the game atmosphere like in Holland? Is it really as impressive as it seems from outside? Or I think during uh, uh, the millennium, mm-hmm. uh, 2000, uh, you get a kind of renaissance of, of, of uh, evolution in board games. And one of the big influences was uh, Settlers of Catan. 
And recently, uh, the CIL of 99 Games uh, passed away. Right. And he brought uh, the translations into Dutch in uh, in the Netherlands. Okay. And he was very clever to uh, get those games on the shelf of popular uh, shops in the Netherlands. And uh, it became even so popular. So, and it was in the time, you have Settlers of Catan, you get... Uh, you get Settlers of Catan, you get um, uh, Pakistan, you get uh, other other games, popular games from Germany. And uh, the market was growing, the interest was growing, more pe- people playing more games, buying mm-hmm. more games. And now it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a serious hobby in, in the Netherlands also, like, like in Germany. So it's that big, it's that, that yeah, ingrained yeah, in the culture. Excellent, yeah. excellent. Yeah. All right, Hank. Uh, let's. Why don't we move on to our quick thoughts, and we'll talk about some games that we played recently. Uh, well, what games I played recently is uh, uh, I played uh, Heath, Metal to the to the Pedal. Okay. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, it's a uh, it's a game about uh, uh, car racing or Formula One racing mm-hmm. uh well that's that's quite popular in in, in europe uh and in south and uh, america uh, you can compare it with with stock car racing uh i think in north america which is very popular there right uh, okay yeah and what i liked about the game is uh, the mechanics um the the makers uh the authors of the game he also created uh flam rouge it's a uh, Okay, so about, uh, I'm going to try. I'm going to be bad, but I'm going to try. So that's Asker Harding yeah. Ganarud and Daniel yeah. Skold Pedersen. Indeed. Okay, yeah. was I close? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and this is the big yeah, Days of Wonder out. release yeah. for this year, if I remember correctly, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 And in my opinion, it's surprisingly good. It's, yeah. Uh, what, what, I think it's the best racing game for so far because it... Uh, uh, it, the, the core mechanics has the tension of playing a real, uh, real uh, competition game in racing, right? Like, uh, like the slipstream, uh, or having a hand card management, and you can pick up your cards if you want to slower or you want to go fast, and you have to make shift gears, and uh, so you can really time uh, your moments on the track. And sometimes you can push a little bit harder or not to mm-hmm. save your engine. And that combination works excellent. So you get a really grip on how fast you would like to go or not. So that's uh, interesting. Uh, it, it, it's by the same designers yeah, as Flamme yeah. Rouge because it seems like an, an evolution on that design with the drafting. Uh, that was a huge part of yeah. Flamme Rouge. So that's in, that's neat. Have you played, uh, for instance, like Formula Day or any of these uh, racing games in the past? Yeah. How does it compare to something like yeah. that? Well, for me, the, I, I really like the, the looks in the cars. Okay, and, uh, yeah. I like the way of racing, but um, uh, the disadvantages of, of, of Formula D was those, were those dice. You, uh, I, I found myself quite often counting uh you know the steps you make mm-hmm. uh and that uh, uh makes the feeling of racing different you're more uh you more you were more calculating your steps 
Right, right. Uh, and it doesn't feel smooth. Uh, so you get more uh, away from the real racing feeling. I see. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, yeah. So the, the you don't in so in uh, heat you don't feel that sort of okay if I do this this and this I'm going to slide one two three four spaces you actually feel like you're passing other cars and you're taking yeah. a lead that's neat I like that a lot excellent so that was heat pedal to the metal uh, by Days of Wonder it, how does this compare in production so in past years Days of I Wonder always had amazing production. Yeah. This one yeah. is it back up to their amazing standards, or? <laughs> yeah, and I think they have plans for uh, expansions. So what I hear from Asmodee already. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're uh, in, the, in the pipeline, uh, if you can say it so also. But uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice. I like it. All right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Did you have a second game you wanted to talk about before I talk about one? Yeah. Uh, the second game, it was uh, uh, Splendor Duel. Ah, you must have gone to Essen yeah. to have gotten this one already. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, my. I, I got triggered by, I got triggered by um, the, the, the board game boy uh, <laughs> uh, review from Gen Con. The Game Boy and, Geek. Yeah. And a short story he, he, he told about the game is he uh, came back uh, earlier from Gencom because he was uh, he felt a little sick, and uh, but even uh, in his uh, in his uh, sickness he was so passionate about uh, that he played the game. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, first uh, demo copy, and uh, he really was uh, uh, that passionate about it. Oh, this is my number one. So that was. And he, he explained the game in few uh, language or in a few words, mm -hmm. and I was triggered. Yeah. So, and uh, tell me about the yeah. Splendor Duel. How does it differ from Splendor, for instance? Uh, well, first, it's a two-player game, and in Splendor, uh, the normal Splendor, you uh, you put those uh, uh, chips mm -hmm. uh, sideways uh, from the board, and you have the, the cards in the middle. Okay. But now the chips are uh, put into a, uh, to a, an area where you can pick them. So they are all on, uh, almost all on board, and you have to pick uh, the gemstones. You may pick at least three in in in, in, uh, in one uh, in one turn. Okay. If they are uh, if they are uh, next to each other uh, in horizon or vertical. And uh, uh, and you still can pick the gems or uh, or the guards, but uh, the way they are put in the middle uh, uh, puts a new uh, kind of me 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 mechanism into the game, and that's very right. um, well done. So it's more like a spatial mechanism where where you place the chip in the center actually determines yeah. what you get to draw, as opposed to just yeah. choosing cards. No, that's neat. I yeah, like that. Yeah, and and, and 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 the main board getting um, the chips are uh, uh, going to the to the players, mm -hmm. but so the boards get more empty till there are no chips anymore. So one player can decide to put all the chips back again on extra bonus in a, in in the shape of a scroll. Okay. And the scroll 
giving uh, a kind of extra uh, action during your turn. And that's where you can make the difference in winning or losing or giving an extra uh, action in your turn. Could be very, uh, if you used it very uh, efficient, it could be very uh, powerful uh, for making the difference in the game. Hmm. And uh, even on cards, some cards have some extra actions uh, to do. For example, you play a guard and you may, may take also extra chips from the board. So uh, that combination puts some extra layers into the game and it's it's still playing very smooth. And, uh, and the game has a lot of tension in a, in a duel because uh, I play it a few times and at the end you are still close to each other in winning. And that's what I really like about uh, yeah, no runaway well. leader or anything like that. That's excellent. Indeed, yeah. yeah, yeah it yeah. sounds a little, I, I, I don't mean from the play point of view, but for, uh, Seven Wonders Duel, that when you get a wonder that has the extra card, you sort of have that sudden, like, two turns in a row yeah. changes the whole game. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. neat. I like that. Splen- I think that this, uh, that, that's the main uh, smoothness in Seven Wonders Duel has... Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Splendid Duel has that also. Yeah, yeah. excellent. It's one, and one of the main uh, uh, creators uh, uh, is Bruno Catala. Uh, right, right. He's uh, doing it very... Uh, he's drawing on his previous stuff to some extent, yeah. And what, what did you play lately? Uh, so I played not necessarily a heavier game, but a, definitely a bigger game than either of those. Uh, I played Flamecraft. Uh, so this is uh, by uh-huh. Manny Vega, Cardboard Alchemy. Uh, this just came out this year. Yeah. In fact, I've complained on a few episodes in the past that my copy hadn't been delivered yet when everybody else seemed to get their uh-huh. copy, but I finally gotten it. Uh, <laughs> and I got it to the table right away. We played a couple times now. Have you played Flamecraft yeah. by any chance? No, I just got my copy oh. last weekend. <laughs> so I beat somebody. That's good to know. And I... Uh... I had made some uh, early pictures of the of those. Uh, I had a deluxe edition, so yep, I have those yep. uh, smart looking um, uh, dragons, and uh, I put some uh, photos now on on Insta. So basically, uh, what so, you're uh, saying is you don't necessarily play the game right away. Photos first, game later. <laughs> yeah, often, often. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you're right. Absolutely. The first thing you're going to notice about this game is the fantastic production. And I like you, I have the yeah. deluxe version, but even the base retail version is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Everything about it, the art is spectacular. It's cute, but not sort of cloyingly cute. It's not super sweet that it's so, uh, that it bugs me, which sometimes happens, I have to admit. Uh, yeah, yeah. The pieces are amazing. In the Deluxe version, the coins, the little plastic dragons are fantastic. But I was actually surprised how much I actually enjoyed the gameplay, too. Um, it's a much simpler game than I expected. The rules are not complicated at all, basically, on your turn. You're going to move your pawn, one your little plastic dragon or your wooden dragon, depending on which version, to one of the businesses yeah. in town. And every business, by the way, has a, like a humorous pun name, which I quite enjoy as well. 
So you place your dragon on that business, and you're going to either gather resources from that business, or you're going to enchant it to make that business better. And either way, you're going to be able to activate one or several dragon cards that have also been placed in the bus- in that business. And you just keep doing that over and over and over again, collecting points, and whoever has the most points at the end of the game wins. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, one thing that I found very interesting about it is what I'm going to call kind interaction. Like, all the yeah. player interaction is sort of like, give a gift to the other person to get points. And it seems so strange, but it creates a very different dynamic from the kind of games that I normally yeah, play yeah. where I'm trying to, you know, steal goods or attack somebody or whatever it might be. Yeah. <laughs> Having that kind interaction is a very interesting gameplay. And I'm wondering if more games are going to start sort of incorporating that sort of happy interaction for what is basically a next level family game. Yeah, I think that's pretty uh, clever. Uh, if you look at it in a biologic way, it's it's um, uh, sharing. Uh, you have to be good at sharing. Yeah, yeah. And, and sharing uh, 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 creates more uh, uh, in the real world. Mm-hmm. You have uh, a lot of gifts. Uh, uh, yeah, I think that, that that's a good part of the game. Yeah. Or uh, if you have indirect conflict situations. But it's it's not even indirect. It is direct. uh, It's just a happy direct. It's a kind direct action. It's very interesting. I really like that. I will say there's something I don't like about the game. And I've railed about this before, and I'm going to rail about it again because it really is an issue for me. The center board. So in this case, it's a rollout mat. And I love rollout mats. That's fine. But it's only about maybe 12 inches wide and about three and a half feet long. Um, here, just for our international listeners, that's about 30 centimeters wide, and what do we at here? Oh, about, um, 107 centimeters long. And, yeah, I, that bugs me. I, I, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I have a really hard time fitting it on the table. I have a fairly decent sized table. But it's yeah. it's an oval table, and a square board fits very nicely with everybody around it. This These long ones, I can't really put people at the ends of my table, which makes it a little bit difficult. Yeah. If I'm at one end, I can't reach to the other side. My arms aren't quite long enough to really yeah. be able to get it. My yeah. wife is only five feet tall. She definitely can't reach to the other side. I don't know. I just <laughs> really don't like these long, skinny boards, and more and more games seem to be using them. Is there any advantage? Like, are they easy to photograph? Maybe here. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's uh, it's tougher to photograph because but. I need a big table. I often shoot uh, uh, if you have a six-player game, everything should be on it. Yeah, yeah, and it's hard when it's spread out that far, for sure. I don't know. Do you like those long boards when you're playing? Or yeah, it's tough to uh, to make photos, or um, yeah, you. But I don't know. I, I, it's just something that I've been noticing showing up in more and more games. Or it gets too big. It, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, you, you, it, it's, uh, it's pleasant if you have uh, uh, everything in the area uh, if you're playing a game instead of uh, using your long arms to get over <laughs> the board. And, uh, or you cannot see everything right or clear. Yeah, and if there's uh, writing on the cards yeah, way down yeah. on the other side, it's a little tough to see for sure. Yeah. yeah. 
Anyway, I, I, that's my little thing. Other than that one little nitpick, I really enjoy this game. I think this is a neat one. Um, yeah. It feels different than anything I play because of that kind interaction. And maybe that's just the game choices I use. But anyway, that's the way it is. Oh. I think you had one more game you wanted oh, to talk about, be, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I uh, played uh, in Essen. Uh, I played uh, World Splitters. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a game from uh, Taiwanese board game design. Uh, one of the main uh, person who is running Taiwanese board games uh, industry is uh, Smoke. Yep, yep. I've had and, Smoke uh, on the show before, did... actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, and uh, I get in contact uh, about uh, some years ago when you had a booth, and it was in the year that uh, Hana Makochi mm-hmm. was brought to Essen. Right. And uh, it was the first time I met him. I made then I, I make photos of all the games on his boat, uh, especially from Hamakochi. I played it and I was hooked straight away about the the, the, the keen and clever mechanics, uh, the fast play, and those few cards, mm-hmm. and having so such a tense uh, experience. So that I. This was the way I, I get involved with uh, with, with uh, Smoke, right? With Taiwan board game designs, I really said to other companies in, in Europe, you really have to check that. It is absolutely v- extremely good. And uh, this year, he had uh, two small games from uh, Empire Empire for S, mm-hmm. Emperor for S four, yeah, yeah. And this year they had those um, uh, game events after the fair. So after the fair, you can uh, uh, ride in and you can eat with uh, those people and playing board games. And I did it with uh, some friends. And we played two games and were in very small boxes. And we were all surprised about how good they were. And uh, that's the beauty of Essen. You have sometimes small publishers they don't get the rates or the bus or uh, the attention on Board Game Geek. Yes. And But that's the place where you can find the gems. Uh, highly underrated games, which are very good. And uh, we played two games. We were absolutely surprised. And a friend of mine, he did a review in Dutch. And he, and he gave them all very high rates. Extremely high rates. And uh, I was really surprised in a positive way how but during the game there was so much going on and it was a very small board mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, but there was so much gameplay in it so much indirect interaction and the bidding mechanism of the game uh, you have uh, uh, you have an area a grid you know and you have uh, with squares on it and you have to make walls uh, to separate uh, areas. But you, if you put a wall, you uh, uh, you start also uh, a bidding. Uh, but the bidding uh, uh, goes about on which way of the wall you you put your pawn. And uh, so you're making areas close, but your pawns are also in those areas. But if you start a bid, other people bid too. Okay. And if you, uh, and if you, uh, for example, if you bid ninety, I can accept the ninety, and I have, I have to pay you the ninety, or you pay me the ninety, and you can put your pawn there. 
So, and when during the game, there was so much layered uh, uh, mechanics going mm-hmm. on that felt very rich for a very small box game. For, uh, for I think it's about 20 euro. Uh, I think it's about 20, 25 dollar. And for so much gaming in those small box, if you compare it to an average Kickstarter, so whoa, this is a huge game in a small box. And then I play another game, uh, also from uh, Empire of OS from this year. And I was really surprised about the smoothness and good working mechanics. And it was even cheaper. But whoa, this is a very good game experience in a small box. You can play in a cafe or whatever. It, it, that's very interesting. I, I, I don't. So the designers are Romain Katerjian, who I don't know, and Tony Chen. Tony Chen, I do know, but uh, I know from Iberian Rails, which is not a small game by yeah. any means. It's a large sort of train yeah. game. So I'm surprised yeah. that he has moved into this small game market. But I, I got to admit, I'm really excited for this one. I love bidding games, and yeah. uh, this seems like bidding done a completely different way. I, I wouldn't have picked yeah. it up probably based on uh, to judge a game by the cover. I don't like the art on the cover i think so maybe i would have okay i would have hesitated yeah. so now that i have the recommendation though that yeah. that's great that's fantastic yeah yeah, yeah. that's great so that's uh world splitters from emperor s4 uh flamecraft yeah. by cardboard alchemy splendor duel by space cowboys and we started off with heat pedal to the metal from days of wonder that's our quick thoughts for today, so let's move on to the news. All right, welcome to the news. I don't know if this is something that you pay a lot of attention to. I don't know if this is something that is of real interest to you because of your photography background. But I keep seeing more and more stories, more and more interest in using AI art in board games, and specifically AI art in general. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, AI art, artificial intelligence art, is basically when you program a, a computer to search the internet for photos. And then you put a few key words into it, and it goes and it finds all these different photos and kind of takes elements from those photos, combines them together into something to match your key words. And this is becoming a bigger deal. Do you know much about AI art, uh, Hank? I, I know what you mean about how uh, those uh, illustrations getting uh, uh, made or getting uh, shaped in, uh, in in a different way of, what do you call it, uh, inspiration. Mm-hmm. Normally, somebody puts something on paper is from inspiration. Right. And now it's more like computer-made. Picking the, the the good elements from uh, certain uh, images or uh, situations or emotions, and put them then together for a, a correct commercial way of look. Right, right. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's interesting because it's sort of is it plagiarism? Is it not plagiarism? They don't actually copy a photo or an art piece or anything like that, but at the same time, they kind of take as you said, inspiration from a number of different ones and combine them together. And when a computer program does it, it immediately sort of triggers you and says, hey, this is wrong. This is stealing somebody else's art. But 
is that very different from what an artist does? I mean, an artist sees a Van Gogh on the wall and will say, yeah. hey, you know, I want to imitate some of that style. Is that not basically the same thing? What do you think? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I, I think in general, uh, the, the, the image we draw, the image what we have in our minds or the image what we put on paper is inspired by uh, where we are, you know, in our environment. Okay. And, 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 and a computer does exactly, I think it's, it's more like what would we say with this image? Uh, why do we like a Van Gogh in a museum? Right. Because we like the lightning, because we, uh, we like the subject, or because uh, a photo could uh, put some expression on uh, somebody's face uh, which inspires us. Uh, but we also like something where there's more, uh, I, which is pure, you know? Mm -hmm. If somebody yeah. put this by himself on paper, that's pure, that's uh, identic, identic. And if a computer does it, it feels like it's more commercial. It's not personal. It's not uh, real. It's just a right. kind of setup. And I think that's the difference. And I think in this world, people like what is real, what is identic, and I think uh, in, in, in our unconscious is, is we're searching for those authentic things, I think. But yeah, that's my, my point of view. And okay, so, so if, we, uh, if, we, if yeah. we assume that a human art is more authentic, that it has a spark to it, that the, the AI art is missing, let's just take that for granted. And we'll say that AI art will yeah. never replace human art. Now the question becomes... There's been a number of smaller board game companies that have basically said, we can't afford to pay a human artist. AI art is considerably cheaper. So even if it isn't up to that same quality, we are going to use AI art because that's what we can afford. Is this a valid argument or is this basically just somebody out trying to make a buck? <laughs> if you can afford a good, a good artist, I think it's finally the result what is put on paper. If you can't afford a good artist, though, is it okay to use AI art? Yeah, in my opinion, it is. Okay. What I think is the 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 product you you sell. Uh, what do you want to show with those art? Mm -hmm. What what do you want to tell with those art? I think that's more important what you want to say with some art than uh, who made it. Okay. But it's more like uh, 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 sometimes one picture can tell an old story. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's, it's the story what is important. Not if I made those pictures or, 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 or draw right, those right. illustrations. So it depends on what is uh, what is what you're selling? What is the story? What you people want to show? Okay, so let's take this to an extreme. Obviously, we're not at this point yet. Mostly, as I said, this deals more with a sort of a pseudo painting art style. It wouldn't be that difficult, though, for 
somebody to write a program that says, using the game pieces from this game, make an atmospheric po- photo with these keywords. Do you think this is something that could put you out of business? Or <laughs> but uh, depending on how much uh, a company can invest into into gaming, right? But I think uh, you have a lot of small companies who cannot afford it. So it's uh, one of the points is, is is the way how the mark works. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, but uh, sometimes I talk about companies with yeah we we have. 3D rendered art yeah. for a game board, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. And they still say, but the people who buy the games into on Amazon or in the shops prefer to see a real photo. So how does the game really look like if you have those paper in my hand or you have those uh, wooden pieces? Not a rendered. Because the the final production could be very different than from uh, a G re rendered look, right? And uh, also the way of paper you use into producing it. But yeah, some people they say, well, three D is good for us if it sells. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it sells the game, it's good. It's fine. Yeah. So the magic of inspiration of, of handcraft or uh, authentic, authentic uh, uh, art is gone. Mm-hmm. And I prefer that, but yeah, I can understand the decision of a small company who has not have the money, but have a good idea to put it on paper on the way they get it on a cheap way, but I just want to make one more argument. I I don't know if this isn't even something necessarily you can or want to respond to, but I just want to make one more argument potentially against the AI art trend, and that's simply if AI art takes over to a point where people can no longer afford to create original art, we're going to be in a position where the AI art is drawing inspiration effectively from other AI artists. And you'd have like a snake eating its own tail kind of a situation. And that would obviously result in a very boring or um, consistent uh, art style across sort of everything as everything sort of merges into one bland style of art. Anyway, I just thought that it was very interesting, and since you obviously have a very vested interest in creating these beautiful images, I thought it would be interesting to hear your thoughts, and yeah, it definitely was. Thank you. Alright, let's move on from news. We're going to go to Shelf of Opportunity. Okay, welcome to the Shelf of Opportunity. So this is a section where I like to get help from you. Uh, hopefully these are games you know something about. Uh, if not, then I've just picked bad games. But I, I don't know. How familiar are you with the work of Freedom and Freeze and 2F Spiel? Uh, I know, I know, uh, I know those games. Excellent, excellent. I spoke with him in, 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 in Essen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I had a nice, uh, uh, word with him. <laughs> but I was jealous about his hair. It, it's green, <laughs> but it's, it's still there. I mean, uh, I, I miss a part on my back, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so you can dye the part and of the back green, and yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the beautiful green hair. Yeah. And he said, "Well, yeah. my, my, he said my brother is bald, so I was lucky to have 
<laughs> I wonder if he if he sometimes regrets having the green hair now because I don't think he could ever change it. Uh, he's sort of stuck with it oh, a little no. bit now that it's his brand. <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah, so I have yeah. three Freedom and Freeze games that are currently on my shelf yeah. unplayed. So I don't know if you've played uh -huh. these before. Let me give you a quick rundown of the three games, and you can tell me yeah. which one you think is the most exciting or the one I should get off immediately. So the first one yeah. is Fayum. Uh, this is a 2020 game. This is about yeah. creating farming in Egypt. Uh, it's an area control game with no area control. Like, whatever you take, everybody gets to use. And, in, you know... If you want to plant your fields, you have to kick the crocodiles out first. So that's the first game. The second one is yeah. Free Ride. Uh, Free Ride is a train game. It seems to be just slightly heavier than Ticket to Ride. It's a fairly light game for Freedman. And it involves creating routes like in Ticket to Ride, except you can share routes and pay people to use their routes as well. And then uh -huh. the last one is Fiera Bend. Uh, Fierbend is, uh, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong, but it's an after worker placement game. So like if you play a worker placement game, what do you, what do the workers do afterwards? And so you're taking these workers and you're after a hard day work, where do they go? Do they work a second job to make more money? Do they go out and party and spend money? Do they just save, stay home and save money? And you're balancing sort of money and happiness together to try to create a successful after work experience. What do you think? Have you played any of the three or all three or? No, I, I haven't played <laughs> those three. <laughs> Excellent. No, no, no. Uh, but I think I should pick the first one. Fayum? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because it was in my list, but he was, in the year that it was released, the game was not in essence. I think it was in 2019. And, uh, yeah, its official release date was 2020, sure, yeah. but it came yeah. out at Essen in 2020. 2020, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and that was the Asen year, and uh, I was interested, but I could not get a copy of the game. And uh, but from those three, uh, thematically, it's it's more my has more my interest. Okay, but yep. uh, I, I I like the the uh, the thematically about what do people after work. So the last game Fierban, is yeah. uh, a way of. Uh, uh, I think that's quite identic uh, if you have him as an author. He likes those aspects in, in the game, what he's, what, what he's doing after his work. Right. And, uh, <laughs> also, with, with the right um, kind of um, artwork within it, what is quite typical for, for his games. Uh, yes, uh, yes. I really like that uh, artwork. And I uh, uh, two years ago, I was uh, on holiday in Germany. And I visited some old uh, industrial areas, and uh, from from the sixties, and that's it, what is typically in his games. He using that kind of art. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah, sort of a almost that, bleak but that, hugely yeah. colorful at the yeah. same time. Yeah. And if you go, if you have uh, 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 art, what is uh, generated by computers? Yes. Yeah. It never gets on this, and that's the great part of, of human art. This is very his way, his style. Right. Right. It has a brand. It has a style to it that is identifable immediately. You're right. Yeah. Of styles. Yeah. 
And and yeah. yeah, if we use AI art, you lose that sort of personal style. Interesting. Yeah, nice bring back to the news. Yeah. By the way, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice <Yeah>. callback. <laughs> yeah. yeah, excellent. I mean, that's what I told them. Also, uh, I, I uh, it isn't the most beautiful art mm-hmm. on board games, but it's the right art for the teams or the games you play. Uh, what he creates, and that's what I really like. Like like Funkenslag was. Totally different in art, right? That's power grid in English for those of you who are power not from was, uh, Europe. What, power yeah. grid, yeah. Power grid has a style. It was not so American, <laughs> so it became a kind of exotic, uh, from my point of view. And that's what I really like about board game or uh, about more international uh, events that you have in game from other cultures. And, Absolutely, uh, yeah. Uh, and a combination of that, or sometimes you have inspired uh, new mechanics from uh, other countries, or the way that he always share, for example, what do people after work? Uh, the runaway leader, he solved that uh, on a beautiful way in, in Power Grid. Yep, uh, yep. And that is that says something about the author. There aren't very many designers that can mix theme and mechanics so well and so specifically. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. And I like the way you put something. What do you have to share? Or like in uh, in, in Flamecraft, uh, mm-hmm. uh, helping people or uh, connect to people or uh, yeah, that, that kind of. That's interesting. I don't generally think of Freedom and Freeze's works as, as being a friendly a gameplay, yeah. but yeah, yeah I can see That's what I that. really like. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. Fayum first, Fieraban second, Free Ride sort of down at the bottom. Excellent. So that's yeah. the order I'm yeah. going to get them off my shelf. Thank you so much for your help. I yeah. appreciate it. All right. <laughs> Let's move on to our main event. All right, the main event, we're back, and we kind of hit on this a little bit during the introduction, but we're going to talk about board game photography. We're going to talk about everything with board game photography that we can think of. My first question was, how did you get involved in board game photography? We know that already. You needed 30 geek gold, and now you are doing this uh, on an international level. So You mentioned that you had a... $150 digital uh, or 150 euro digital camera at the beginning. What sort of equipment do you really think you need to get great photos? Let's start there. So if somebody wants to do great board game photography, what should they consider? Well, uh, photography is about light in uh, in principle. And uh, you don't often have uh, expensive gear to making great photos. Okay. Uh, it's it's it, uh, my my uh, principles in in, in in good photos is uh, is lightning is what want you want to tell or to share on those photo what want you uh, how do you want to see uh, or for example you you're telling a story we having telling and sharing an emotion on a photo how do you want to capture that that's important. How to create it in a way you have in your head. 
And then you talk about uh, gear. For example, if you have uh, if you have to make photos in a in uh, in a dark wood, that's that's very tough, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, but if you have bright daylight, uh, twelve uh, uh, twelve uh, midday, right noon. That's yep. excellent. Yep. And in the summer, I mean, you can have a cheap camera and making great photos. And that's how, that's how I start. Yeah. <laughs> if somebody wanted to this sort of get my... into this on in a real way, you're saying, don't worry about the camera so much. Worry more about your lighting, about having maybe a lighting system. Is yeah. that yeah. Yeah. interesting? Okay. So yeah. when you take photos, do you use just natural light? What kind of lighting do you use to really make your photos pop? It depends on, uh, on the subject, but, you know, uh, in the Netherlands, in in the winter period, we have uh, uh, short periods of of daylight. Mm-hmm. If you compare it in the summer, so uh, in the summer I make uh, more uh, photos uh, outside with board games, for example. Sure. Yeah. And in the winter time, I'm using uh, uh, you know studio light. And uh, if you are running an event, you're using uh, flashlight or the light you have on the event itself, but that can uh, differ in every situation. Eh? Right, right. And uh, But if I, for example, if you made a photo shoot on white, then I uh, have some uh, uh, studio light. So it is always uh, balanced. So light and temperature uh, makes a photo bright or more yellow. And, mm-hmm. uh, depends on what you really want. And this goes back to your comments on figuring out the theme first. What are you trying to tell yeah, with the yeah. photo? For yeah. example, uh, uh, I made a series of photos uh, in, in a cafe, in a brown cafe in an old city center in the Netherlands, you know? Mm-hmm. So you have dark light, you're using the light on a table with candles and having a great game in a, in a bar, you know? Sure, yeah. Uh, that asks different uh, circumstances from your equipment. Then when you uh, put it on your table at home with with, with more light or uh, put a game uh, outside in the summer. Uh, on a Sunday uh, afternoon, you're putting the, the game uh, outside on the grass and making great photos easily or making photos in a, in a low sunlight, in a low uh, sunrise or uh, sunset. For now, uh, example, if I go home, uh, sun, uh, you have the, the sunset, and you have those long shadows. Right, yeah, yeah. That works perfectly with, with some uh, minis. So right, okay. My lightning depends on the circumstances, and uh, but yes, I do lose, use flashlight, I use studio light, uh, but I, I prefer sunlight because that's easy. <laughs> yeah, you only cheap, have to bring your cheap, camera, yeah. and, and, and uh, yeah. yeah, excellent. All right, when you're trying to take a photo with this specific theme, or you're trying to get an idea, yeah. is this something you plan out in advance? Is it where you sit down and try to figure, look at the pieces, and try to figure out what theme to put on them, or is it just sort of instinct? You just sort of do it. How much do you plan ahead on your photos? Um, uh, the three ways you describe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I use them uh, uh, through each other. Oh, you know, okay. Uh, so you use all three, uh, depending. What, yeah. yeah, 
it, it's a kind of uh, a funny way how that uh, is shaped. Sometimes I uh, just put uh, things on uh, on my table, and then something uh, creative uh, starts in my head. Okay. Uh, sometimes I, uh, 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 for example, if a person needs good photos on white, uh, then I then everything should be on the table, mm-hmm. and then I look at a. Uh, uh, straight a strong composition right okay so uh, uh you know uh, a good shape uh, i i always search for kind of uh, a strong dynamic picture what does something with somebody's mind and uh, i often shoot photos with a 40 degrees um, angle mm-hmm Okay. Because they're making a photo more often, giving more dynamic. That's uh, paper. Hey, that, 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 that's an image what I like because, and people often like more dynamic pictures because there's something going on, what kept their uh, attention on. And uh, but also, I can sit in a car, and I know. Oh, I get those games uh, from that company. They sent me. And for example, I, I got, uh, you know, uh, Robin Hood, the game, you know, with the yes, book. Yes, yeah, the new Uwe story. Yeah. And uh, I got that one. Uh, what can I do with Robin Hood? Uh, I should be in the forest, for example. And it was in the winter period, so uh, I need a dry day. Went with a box into the forest, into the deep forest, finding a spot and make that picture and make a composition in, in, in the woods, making the picture actually without photoshopping uh, and it's some board game geek so <laughs> you then you really step into the theme right uh, yeah right. for me that was boom and it just made uh, sense yeah. it's a creative creative process one of the prize winning pictures was <laughs> uh, I made it was during a night shift on my work <laughs> I just put this paper on uh, on a board I was making uh, some uh, uh, some ugly pictures, uh, searching for the good lining. And in some of those photos, <laughs> the pieces where uh, 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 it was by incident, put in a way that, um, and now I talk about a panda who is eating the bamboo. Uh, who has the gardener? Must be Takenoko. Yeah. <laughs> who has? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, who has? The, who sees the problem? He's eating all my bamboo. Oh, but I have to take care of the of the panda because it was a gift from the empire. So yeah. Uh, and if if I don't take care of it, you know, it would be very shameful. So, and I put the spaces uh, by incident next to each other, and the gardener was looking. Uh, uh, non-verbal way to the panda and, it, and and that picture told the whole problem of the game <laughs> excellent I love and, it I love yeah it. And, and that's the way how it happens yeah and uh, but also sometimes uh, if I go to an event you never know who you're going to meet or uh, where you're getting involved into but you're searching for some um atmosphere from the fair. And, right, uh, right. 
yeah, and I sometimes I like uh, to, to meet people and to put those people on picture, but on a good way. And uh, so I was in Essen, and, and maybe you remember the game of um, it was from Space Cowboys. It was a two-player game. It was called Jaipur. Yeah, of course. Yep, yep. Yeah. Jaipur is a big favorite. And I was I was just going to the to the booth where the game was explained, and a friend of the author of the game, he was from India, mm-hmm. and he was really wearing his uh, band on his head like somebody from India. And uh, he was explaining the game to me. Uh, and we, we were playing against each other. Uh, during the game, I noticed that the man on the cover was the man who was explaining the game <laughs> and who was my opponent. So I saw that boss cover. You are the man on the cover. Yes, he said. Amen. So I was making a picture of him playing against the man on the cover. <laughs> Those things happen in Essen. I mean, yeah. uh, you cannot imagine, you cannot uh, uh, have the thought if you go to Essen. And I really like to capture those uh, game moments of fun, of joy, of, uh, yeah. And, and you, says, it yeah, definitely comes through in your photos. That joy, that happiness yeah. definitely yeah. comes yeah. through. Yeah, excellent, yeah. excellent. I, I love that. Sometimes you spend all this time planning and practicing and getting ready, and sometimes it's just this spontaneous, perfect moment. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Photoshop. How important is sort of the after process when you've taken the photo? The photoshopping, touch up, filtering, etc. Is that important yeah. to you, or is that something you just sort of do a little bit? I don't know. Now, uh, depends on where the photos are made. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, uh, you know, you do not often have the 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 control on lighting. Uh, uh, if you work in my studio, uh, you can set up the lights before you're making some uh, white balance photos. Yeah, and uh, that's saving time in uh, photoshopping. Okay, so that's very handy for me. I would like to save time, but for example, if you want to run. Uh, at the game fair in Essen, you have uh, different light circumstances. Okay, yeah. For example, if you go to a, to a dinner of the Deutsche Spieler Prize, you have that event on stage. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, people come on stage, they take their uh, they take their awards, and then they walk away. <laughs> you don't have control on, on that situation. Right, right. You don't have you control don't have over control anything. You don't have control on the lightning. Yeah, yeah. And then you need photoshopping afterwards. But uh, those circumstances are the most tough circumstances for uh, photographers because then you have to do everything manually. You have, then you need good gear, you know, with light-sensitive gear. You have to uh, manage your uh, ISO uh, value by hand if you want to make sharp pictures in dark circumstances. Where mm-hmm. people also are moving, where you're using flashlight, but you have also people behind you using flashlight. Right, right, because so, their lights are going to interfere uh, with and yours. And that, that, yeah. that is the, the most tough uh, circumstances to making sharp pictures for newspapers. Then photoshopping, or I shoot also in RAW, mm-hmm. then you lose a lightroom, 
and uh, and then you have a kind of edit afterwards to to edit the right lights and you can also edit uh, the way the uh, lighting or the natural lighting is moving on somebody's face for example right so that the final product is that the eyes are clear or uh, you know sure uh, sure so you do have to use some, depending on the circumstances, when you don't have that control, there is some after um, uh, editing that has to be done. Yeah. yeah. Right. So how many photos would you take to get one that you're happy with? Yeah, it, it depends. Sometimes you have a straight shot. It's the first one is, is great. Uh, if you work with people uh, on a fair, you have to work quick. Right, yeah. And they yeah, know yeah. I, can, I can work quick. If I... Uh, if I met Burakatala uh, or I met uh, Seven Felt, they know Hank is making a good picture, and then we do a quickie. So it's it happened in, in a few minutes. Then you talk some afterwards, and then they often have to go. So uh, you you don't have often much time, and then you have to work quick and. Uh, but if you have the control, if you're in your studio, if you for have instance, the control, um, I also do some wedding shoots, for example. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> then you have more time, or yeah. Uh, yeah, I make a lot of pictures. Okay, yeah. And uh, uh, sometimes you have a series of pictures, especially in, in moving people, for example. Then you have, then you need the right composition of how the person is moved, or how he's looking or how he is smiling or, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You would sometimes, if you want to bring an emotion to people, it should be spontaneous. So you cannot ask uh, somebody to laugh, you know? You have to tell and them a joke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that works very well. Yeah, it, exactly. If you're making photos with people, it's, 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 um, it's communication. It's all about communicating them comfortable to having a good photo. Excellent, excellent. And, uh, some some famous game archives, they, they are so shy. And now, after 10 years, they know me. So they know Hank is taking a, respect, a respectful picture from me. Right. You know, on a good way. And that's what I really like. And if they get compliments from their friends, hey, that's a nice part of you. You know, not everyone has a face of Brad Pitt. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> And uh, but we we still have our a dignity and we still have our personality and and if we make a book and if you have a, a good picture of yourself or your wife is saying hey that's a nice picture, that's what I like to do with photos. Excellent, excellent. And sometimes you then you need you need more to get the, the right one from it. Right to get that personality yeah. to show through. Yeah, people yeah. Are, that, can that's be so guarded really like. sometimes. Yeah. 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 Excellent. It, it, so you got into this by posting photos onto Board Game Geek. Uh, it was more just to get a few geek gold initially, and then it became much more <laughs> for you. Yeah. When, if somebody wanted to get into board game photography in a big way now, so I'm not just talking just for fun, but actually to do it as a side job potentially or something like that, what it, what would be the method of doing it? Would you still suggest doing it through Board Game Geek, or are there other ways to do this now? Some people try it on Instagram. Yep. Mm-hmm. But I don't like the overall rhythms of Instagram. Sorry, you don't like uh, the... The, the, uh, the uh, alpha rhythms, you know? 
Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. The way of liking, the way of the uh, algorithms, getting yeah, the attention yeah. from your audience. I mean, I mean, um, uh, you see a lot of people trying making pictures of board games. Uh, some are really good. Mm-hmm. Some are extremely good, but don't have followers. And that's surprisingly, sometimes you see real talent. You say, whoa, that's very good what he or she is doing. But no followers at all. And, because they don't uh, have whatever the yeah, algorithm yeah, is looking yeah, for. Yeah. So yeah. so for if you get involved into board games, you need a platform to show your pictures. Okay. In 2006, uh, you saw a lot of uh, interaction of uh, liking uh, on Board Game Geek. Right. And it yeah. moved, that moved now to other platforms. And so the you don't get likes anymore on Board Game Geek. I mm. mean, if you have a photo with 30 likes, you compare it with 3,000 likes, you know? For, so but, 2006, you would have but, got 3,000 likes, the equivalent yeah, is 30. Yeah, for example. Yeah, okay. But um, sometimes I make serious photos with the game is unknown or underrated, so that you don't get a lot of response on those photos. Right, right. But the funny part is, or uh, if I go to Essen and you talk to publishers, yes, we know your work. We have seen those. They are, they are great. But they never jump. So I cannot always see if the people really liked it or not. So you don't get that so, feedback. So so to get involved into, as a photographer, you have to make contact with, with, with publishers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to deliver good work. And uh, you have to listen to companies what they really looking for, which they can use on their own website or which they can use on, uh, on, 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 on on game stores online. Right, yeah. For example, if you have a good series of photos or, or a good word game on Amazon, that works. Interesting, you okay, know? yeah. And if you have a good composition, good uh, showing uh, the, the, the game itself, that sells. And that's how you can start. I wonder if, does that mean it would be a good idea for somebody to take photos of games and just send the photos to the publisher and say, hey, feel free to use these just yeah, to start yeah, getting in yeah. the door? Indeed. You, uh, if you really like, you, if, if you really like uh, making photos of a board game or if you really don't want to grow into that, I think uh, in the first year you, you should do a lot of things for free. Yeah, yeah. That, that worked for me uh, excellent. If and then uh, some game magazines came. Well, uh, can we use your your photos? And sometimes I think, okay, uh, that, that's fine. If you send me the magazine, for example, so I get a full also in the United States with magazines. Okay, uh, and sometimes they use three or four photos in, in in the magazine. If you send me a copy of the magazine, I'm glad. You know. So you yeah. you uh, you have a nice interaction. I I uh, and then you get more involved, and then you get involved in projects. For example, uh, next year there will be a uh, a big book, uh, kind of uh, uh, about uh, agriculture, how buildings are made. Uh, uh, architecture, architecture. Yeah, yeah. Okay, architecture, yeah. and uh, and somebody is. Uh, he is uh, doing that for his university uh, in a project. Mm-hmm. 
So then, then you can get sometimes uh, uh, a little compensation of it, you know. Uh, but sometimes uh, you get a proposition of a company who is having a, a small card game. You know? Right. Yeah. But card games, yeah. If you make uh, photos for in a, for a small card game, I mean, a small card game costs about a few bucks. You know. Don't expect and, a big payday. Uh, yeah, and yeah. I and I have a one, one one evening shooting. I mean, so in, in those circumstances, uh, well, can we make an appointment? I come to your office. We're taking twenty card games, and we we make one price. Sure. Uh, yeah. And and uh, so and if you have a fair price, and uh, and you can do t- uh, twenty card games in one day, I think that helps both. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and it works like the photos I use for magazines. The the company can use the photos, and uh, you've done twenty in one day. Uh, otherwise, they they send the game. You have to read the rules. You have to play the game. You have to set up the game. You have to make the, the photos, and you do the photoshopping afterwards. Right. And right. that takes time. So I prefer to like also very efficient. Do a quality big bunch. They can set up all the games for you. You just have to come in and take the photos. A big shard yeah. game. Yeah. You just take the photos and there you get a, a beautiful game. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we've learned lighting is the most important thing. Uh, you have to think about lightning. We've learned that considering the theme is more important than necessarily the absolute quality of the photo that depending on the uh, situation, you may have to invest in some Photoshop skills afterwards, do a little bit of after work, and that don't expect to make a huge amount of money off of this. It seems to be one of the lessons we've learned. Are there any other things, that, yeah. the tips or tricks that you want to sort of give to our listeners if they're interested in becoming a semi-pro uh, board game photographer? Is there anything else that we should talk about? Uh, I've learned by doing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was uh, learning about getting uh, what is the final result and how to get there. Right. And, uh, oh, what I did, I make pictures on fairs, and I enjoyed it. And I also with people having fun making pictures of board games and uploading them. Uh, just start making and doing that, and uh, then you find your own way in it. I mean, yeah. And uh, and that can grow. And you see people they're starting on Instagram with with small uh, close-up photos, you know, uh, with, with yep. macro yep. photography, and uh, and they're getting better and better and better. And that, that's a good way to start and to grow and um, uh, to collaborate with 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 publishers. And uh, they are interested in that kind of influencers, and uh, that's the way uh, you can. Okay, excellent. Yeah, and, and it's sort of, I, I've had that response before from writers, from designers, and it's just, just do it. <laughs> just get out there just and do it. Do really, it. Just do if it. you yeah. want to do it, do it and worry about the results later. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's our main event, everything we can think of about photographing board games and being a board game photographer. Let's move on to our top three. Top three. All right, welcome to the top three. So, 
I wanted something that I could sort of participate in, even though I don't have uh, your natural skill with board game photography or your uh, learned skill either. Um, but I, I think I can appreciate a game that is photogenic, a game that will look nice yeah. in photos. So we're going to talk about our top three most photogenic games. I do want to mention, I have one honorable mention. I just want to say Flamecraft, just because it's sitting on the table in front of me, and I keep looking down at, at how pretty it is. So Flamecraft is yeah. my honorable mention anyway. Okay, so what's your number three, then? My number three is Picture Perfect. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way I put it is, it's about uh, how to make a good picture, or a perfect picture. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, well... Uh, the, the 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 struggling where you have uh, where you are facing during the game is to put everything in the right position, in the right combination, in the right setting, in the right steam, uh, uh, the right lighting, and and everything is in there to make a perfect picture. And then they made a game about it. I mean, that was for me so funny. I mean, um, yeah, and you have those nice components, you know, and you can put them in. Uh, and uh, different positions, and uh, you can use the uh, 3D, or uh, you know, uh, you have more depth into the game. Yeah, for anyone who hasn't seen this game before, it's it's really interesting because all the yeah. of the pieces they're like little standees, but they're kind of clear plastic with the picture yeah. sort of printed on them, so you can see yeah. through them. So when you're arranging the people to take a picture of a group of people, you really are able to put one behind the other, but still see through it. It's really a neat idea, yeah. And also, it's really realistic. Uh, I, uh, I often do some, sometimes I do some wedding pictures. Yep. And then you have those family, uh, or you have a group making a group picture. I mean, that's horrible. I mean, <laughs> some smile, some don't. Yeah, somebody's uh, drunk, somebody's messing yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> you have the drama of how, oh, how, how do I solve this problem? You know? Uh, yeah. So, so our next tip yeah. for anybody who wants to be a professional photographer, buy Picture Perfect the game, and you'll learn how to do proper yeah, yeah. photos. <laughs> yeah. Play it with your family or with your friends. Then, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I really also like the artwork of, of uh, different kind of uh, teams. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. And yeah. I really like the look and the feel. And uh, yeah, that's uh, neat. I like that. That's a, yeah. that's an excellent yeah. choice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So yeah. my number three, my number three is the newest game in my collection because it literally just arrived this morning. I just opened yeah. up the package, but I'm blown yeah. away by how beautiful it is. Have you seen yeah. Weather Machine by Vital Lacerda? Yeah. Oh, yeah, the, so the, the, the box pretty. art is is it's it's a kind of art nouveau style. Uh, yeah, yeah, of the eighteen hundred uh, period. Yeah, mixed, that's great. Yeah, yeah, mixed with like a Jules Verne yeah. science fiction feel. Like you want to talk about thematic art. This is the yeah, yeah. example of a game that just draws the theme in and spits yeah. it out. Like this is uh, this is Ian O'Toole art at its absolute best, and he's always so good. Yeah, and I think computers can never make that art. I, I have to agree that this, yeah. this is. I mean, this be is because it's so personally uh, how it's drawn. Uh, the shapes are not straight shape, you know. Right, uh, right. Yeah, you have a kind of organic shaping. Uh, yeah, how you look yeah. to nature, and 
you combining that with the human, also with the human, uh, we are not perfect, you know? We make those mistakes. And those combination of uh, how it's created, that, that's the beauty, I think. I mean, Absolutely. Uh, uh, even a Van Gogh is not perfect. But that's why it's, it's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I and, with and, that. And, yeah. yeah. But this you, one, it's not the, just yeah. the cover. I mean, I love yeah, the yeah. like the board, the way it's laid out yeah. is just so beautiful. The little details here and there on the board, I just I can't stop staring at all the different little pieces. It's just absolutely beautiful. I think that you're going to be taking a lot of photos of this one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I hope the game is not so heavy. Well, it is a Vital Lacerda, so I wouldn't bet yeah, on it being no, light. Yeah, no, yeah, no, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I hope he make uh, the game songs a little lighter. I mean, yep. this bow when I was, uh, I, I, I hear the, the re, uh, of the, the reviews and the how to play. It was. Uh, <laughs> it's my favorite Lacerda, but yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's it's not it's a, a serious, simple game. Uh, studying the game and. But the the team and the art is stunning, absolutely. Yeah, he's one of my favorite designers, uh, O'Toole. Uh, uh, also, what yeah, he does absolutely. with with uh, with with uh, Carnegie. Carnegie is also beautiful design. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I love yeah. the way he com yeah. he combines playability with the art. Yeah. It's not just yeah. the art; it's how that art enhances the playability of the game. But yeah, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's All strong. right. All right. So and, that was Weather uh, Machine. What's your number yeah. two? Well, my number two is uh, the 3D version of uh, the expansion of Sotlis of Catan. Oh, yes. Uh, or yeah. Catan, or uh, uh, in Holland we have to call it uh, Catan. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Now you had a new expansion. It was it was in Essen, Nights and Cities, or City and Nights. Cities and Nights. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I uh, talked a lot about the game with, with Klaus Teuber in Germany in the past. So he was telling uh, the, his idea of of, uh, uh, of the team, you know, and uh, now he has published a book in Germany. It's uh, therefore he wasn't in Essen, <laughs> and uh, but he, he told me in the past uh, the privilege to, to talk with him uh, one hour in the past and talked about how uh, he got on Cortan and how it was, uh, you know, evolving in his head how he. Uh, created uh, uh, the game, but yep, also yep. the idea of the storyline of, uh, you know, finding an island, discovering it, developing it. And, uh, and now they put a 3D, uh, uh, yeah, shuttle of Catan. It's like you almost can walk on the island. I mean, huh? When you talked about taking pictures from different angles, that must be perfect for that because it's almost like a yeah, mountain, right? Yeah, the center yeah. is higher than the outside, yeah, so you can get yeah. that dynamic angle. So that, that'd be really indeed, cool. yeah. indeed, and, and that's what uh, there's so much going on. Those pictures, that's what I really like. All right, I'm going to go the completely opposite route with my number two because this yeah. is a game that I consider to be absolutely beautiful in its simplicity and that's sort of a different thing entirely and i think when i see photos of this game that i just it immediately draws it in it's one of my absolute favorite games which doesn't hurt but this is diplomacy so this yeah. is the oldest game like if if weather machine was the newest game in my collection this might be the oldest game uh this was originally designed in 1959 uh avalon yeah. hill mine is the waddington sanders edition which has uh the fleets are represented just by a uh, single rectangular wooden piece. The 
armies are a slightly fatter wooden piece, and that's it. And then a very simple, very clean map. And I just love the look of those plain, aesthetically pleasing pieces against a very well-drawn but not crowded map. I don't know. There's something about it. What do you think? I think it sounds uh, some some shapes or some um, combination of uh, colors and shapes. Even the the material has mm. something iconic. It definitely has an iconic feel. To yeah, it, I think that that's that's uh, if is you know some shapes are so iconic, uh, and I think that that has some beauty. I mean, uh, I know those those pieces from Risk, you know. Yep. yep. Uh, those those. The, I mean, they're for me they are iconic, uh, like the meeple. But the meeple itself, you know, from from Carcassonne, is uh, uh, is also iconic. But if you have a game uh, like Monopoly, if you have those hotels, you know, from the sixties, they are in wood and they have a certain kind of shape. Yeah. And- I think it has his beauty in their simplicity, yes. But also in the emotion of imagining playing it in in in, in those days. I mean, the nostalgia uh, factor. I think yeah. that the first place when you play diplomacy uh, with those uh, simplicity on board, and, and, and but also the uh, you know the, the experience of the game itself, making it even more <laughs> uh, beautiful. I mean, I, I, and I can't argue with that. You're right. The the experience makes it more prettier to me than it would be to someone else, perhaps. But yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's interesting you mentioned the wooden houses yeah. from Monopoly because you're right. There's a there's a simplicity and a beautifulness to that that doesn't exist with the plastic ones from the new version. And I get maybe we're going no. to the AI art discussion again a little bit, but that sort of yeah. not quite perfect shape. The, the the houses and the hotels in the original were always just slightly off, but it worked. Yeah, it worked. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes even what is uh, less perfect could be strong. I mean, yeah. if you show people what is this, I think it, it could be an hotel from Monopoly. Okay, <laughs> and if people can say that to you, that's strong. I mean, yeah. absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. This is it, the big number one. What's your number one, Hank? Well, what's my number one? It, it was very, very tough. Um, I think my number one, I think it was a history in the world of um, Avalon Hill. Really? Uh, okay. That, yeah, I would never have guessed um, that would be it. Yeah. No, there are a lot of games that came close Uh but I think it's one of the uh, also uh, uh, games where they were really uh, well designed in mm-hmm. that time period. I mean, it, it the game is from uh, the early zeros. The early zeros, yeah, yeah. No, early nineties. It was earlier than that for sure. Yeah, ninety-two, ninety-three, maybe. And you have those. Uh, you have those. Those different uh, pieces of. Uh, of uh, cultures and and, uh, and armies and also those different uh, uh, palaces with gold in it and yep. uh, yeah that that was for me very inviting 
to make pictures of it. Also, I like the the storyline, you know, the way of the world, yep. Uh, yep. the history part, the map. Uh, it's a really classic map, you know. Uh, if you have about, I really like good maps. I mean, uh, you have those block games with great shapes and maps, you know, from uh, yeah, Columbia absolutely, yeah, and and, and uh, but. You know, uh, the map from Afalan uh, is, is also great in combination with that material and those uh, houses with real gold in it. <laughs> and, and now it's 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 quite common to have that stuff in your uh, Kickstarter. <laughs> right, but at the time for a, a, a almost mass market game, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was not it was not like how you said in Europe. It was not like only. Emmy trash. It was not only good looking, <laughs> right. but it was also very strong at playing. And that yes. was, yeah, that, that, that is also important for me in, in good photography. I mean, uh, I would like to have a good game. Yeah, I was surprised when you said History of the World, because I immediately went to sort of the first version of History of the World that I yeah. sort of came into contact, yeah. which was a chip game, yeah. the little cardboard pieces just cut out. But I forgot about the Hasbro Avalon Hill version with all of the pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it really is beautiful. Yeah. I haven't thought yeah. about this game in so long. Now I feel like I need to go play it. I think my friend Sean has a copy. I'm going to have to go call him and get a game. Yeah, yeah, I should do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. I, I, what I, I want to mention, I want to mention one game. Sure. Yeah. There's Love Letter. Really? Okay. So you've gone yeah. from what love might letter, be the biggest love, game in my, in anyone's collection to the smallest game in anyone's collection. Yeah. <laughs> but what 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 what, uh, what the beauty is about Love Letter? I got a free copy in Essen from uh, AAG Games. You know, yep. in a red red bag. I came home and then it became popular. By incident, I spoke with the author of the game. Mm -hmm. It was uh, somebody from uh, from Asia. Uh, uh, Senjai. Uh, Senjai, uh, yeah. I spoke with him and making some pictures with him. And uh, But I came home and I thought by myself, what can I do with 12 cards? How can you make a good picture with 12 cards? Only 12 cards. So it's from a challenge point of view. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So then my brain starts to, what can I do? And I thought about it a few days. And then I came up to make a hearth, you know, from okay. those cards. I put right. it in the right angle. And it's one of the most thumbs pictures. <laughs> but it's about the most simplicity. But, you know, the, 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 the beauty of those simplicity it's showing a heart, and that's what it's about, the game. Sharing your love letter. I mean, I and love you have that. to do that yeah. with, with only 12 cards. I mean, uh, and that's a beautiful challenge. And I make a nice series of those photos, but... So this is an example where the game itself might not be so photogenic, but you can make it photogenic. You can make it beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Indeed, yeah. yeah. All right, my number one. I don't know, this might be a little bit of a cheat because it's almost a game designed to be aesthetically pleasing. And But I went with Funkoverse. Do you know the Funkoverse game? Funkoverse? 
Yeah, so these little Funko toys. I've got a few of them behind me here on the shelf with the big eyes and the big heads. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the Funkoverse game basically is a game where you use those toys on a map to sort of fight back and forth. And, yeah, I mean, when you have characters like Batman and the Golden Girls and Jurassic Park and the Marvel heroes, you can put them all together. I just think that that could make some really fantastic photos. If you like the Funkover style, if you like Funko yeah, Pops, I, I, yeah, I like the style. I mean, it's the yeah. kind of style, uh, funny and, uh, and 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 easy, and and also. F- but it might be a little bit of a cheat since the toys are literally designed to be looked at first. first and played second. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. so that's our top three games, most photogenic games that we could think of. Yeah, we went all over the place. We spanned almost seventy years in game design. That was pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, Hank, thank you so much for being a guest. I really appreciate it. If people want to get a hold of you, if people want to talk to you further, is there a good place to go? Is there somewhere they should go to see your work? What do you think? Yeah, it is fine. You can send me a message on Board Game Geek. And uh, uh, if you have questions or uh, maybe not, you don't want to do an interview or whatever. Uh, Yeah. Uh, And they also can meet me on events in, in, in Europe. It's always nice to talk about your hobby or uh, <laughs> photography or uh, games yeah. or uh, yeah or anything else that has to do with board gaming yeah absolutely yeah. <laughs> all right so that's hank dot uh, hank period rolleman r o l l e m a n on board game yeah. geek excellent yeah. all right hank we like to end every episode with a song what song should we end today's episode with yeah well i like uh, we have a lot of spoken of a lot of elements <laughs> <laughs> And I'm a I'm a quite fan of Toby Mac. I don't know if you know the the, the artist. Uh, he is American. <laughs> yep, yep. And he make a mix of a different style of music. Uh, he lives in Nashville, and uh, he has a song called uh, Element. Element. All right. That's that's what I really like. Yeah. All right, Toby uh, Mac. Elements. the elements of of life. Of uh, yeah, I like the song. I like the clip. Uh, Excellent. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much, Hank. I really appreciate it. It has been really great. And uh, hopefully I'll see more of your amazing artwork in the future. Excellent. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks a lot. Thank you very much for for having me. And uh, have a a nice evening and a a good conversation. And uh, I hope people will will like it. I'm sure they will. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right, thank you, Hank. And here is Elements by Toby Mac. I lace the boots up, it's straight to the door, cause this is worth fighting for. I get my head right, the heart's gotta follow. Whisper a prayer like there ain't no tomorrow. Take a breath, and I exhale slow. I wasn't made for this kind of cold. This ain't the kind of place that you want to know These are the elements I'm telling you, bro This world, it's up in my grill This world, it's shooting to kill This world always gotta be stealing my heart This world always trying to rip my family apart I'll fight the elements I'll fight the elements I got spirit, I got faith I might bend, but I won't 
ain't our home, nah, not even close. They camouflage like we fighting some ghosts. You start to doubt everything that you know. I feel the heat and it's starting to show. They try to break us, break us, make us wanna give in. Lay down our arms, don't vacate us again. Lay down a fight, I could never relent. And I'ma take it all the way to the I end. Push me to the fence, and then I end up on top of it if I'm not careful. To recognize what is pushing in, open my eyes to these elements, stand up and rise to these elements. I'm willing to fight, willing to fight the elements. <laughs>